Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversation with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Uh, do you mind? We're, uh, we're playing through. Here's Froggy, Brian Golf, and Wacker. Uh, actually, it's just Froggy and Brian Golf today. Brian Wacker is uh, out playing golf somewhere. So he couldn't make it. So it's just us, but we have... He's been playing a lot of golf lately. He really has yeah. been. He was playing with Adam Scott the other day. Yeah. Now he's playing again. I don't know what he's doing. Whatever. We have an amazing guest today. Somebody that I really admire a lot in the golf industry. Really super duper nice guy. Swing coach extraordinaire. Golf channel guy. We're talking to Sean Foley. Good morning, Sean. How are you? Hey, guys. How you doing? Uh, we had Brandel Chambly on the pod not too long ago. And, uh, you know, when I was when I was watching after the match play, all of a sudden I'm like, wait a second. It's Sean Foley and Brandel Chambly together. We've wait. had them both on. And we're getting ready to have Sean Foley on the pod. So that was perfect. Good timing. So, Sean, tell me, what's going on with Golf Channel? What are you doing with those guys now? Um, I'm doing um, a series called Playing Lessons. We're kind of bringing back the, the old series, Playing Lessons with the Pros. So just basically, you know, playing nine holes with uh, different players from the, the PGA Tour and, and LPGA Tour. So it's to give the – I think it's cool. One, I've, I've always kind of enjoyed um, – I've been teaching for 20 years, but back in Canada I used to do a show called The Golf Report for Roger Sportsnet. So I've kind of always enjoyed that part of it. The nice part, too, um, is it's here in Orlando. So I'm always looking for – ways to continue to build my business but sleep uh, in my own bed with my family so you know i think it was just kind of a natural a natural progression i like to talk about golf uh, more than just uh, obviously the golf swing golf is kind of all-encompassing um so yeah it's been it's, it's been uh, it's been cool i i enjoy it i want to ask you because i know that golf with youth is a really really big deal to you i follow uh, the Sean Foley Performance Academy on Instagram. I see a lot of youth uh, golf on there. Sean, do you feel that building the game through youth is extremely important, and do you feel that it's underserved in some cases? Uh, yeah, I mean, for me, it's uh, – I don't really think of, like, building the game as much as I think about – I mean, you build, you build the game like one person at a time, right? So I think sometimes when we think about 
what do we need to build the game that we're not asking the right questions. So I think it's kind of like each one teach one. And I think that, you know, what I like about the kids is, you know, they're, they've got a lot to learn. They're passionate. They want to work hard. They still, you know, they still kind of have a dream. Um, and if that's not their dream, if their dream is to uh, come to the academy, uh, become a better player, and then go to university and play golf or not, that's completely, uh, that's their uh, prerogative. So it's just about being around young kids. Look, the, the world obviously needs more uh, thoughtful, uh, open-minded, uh, caring individuals. So yes. for me, that's the way for so if I can, if I can do that, um, you know, the best thing about being around kids too is like, you're almost forced to walk what you talk about. You know what I mean? Because as soon as you don't walk the talk, then it's interesting with kids, you know, a lot of adults think that kids don't listen to them, but I think overall, sometimes these kids are just disappointed in us. And so why would you listen to someone who's not living by what they're telling you to do? Right. You know, you, you like when you do what I do for a living and you do it with a passion, you want to see that almost taken too far. So I want to be able to say to a kid, like, you need to slow down like you're working too much. Sean, you're teaming up with a bunch of other instructors. Some yeah, of the Revolution top instructors Golf, yeah. With Revolution Golf. Is a lot of that, I mean, because it's, it's mainly online, right? It's more online, an app, all of that, trying to hit that audience as well. Is that part of maybe reaching more specifically a younger audience? Uh, no, because I would say that that audience is, um, I would say that prime age would probably be right at 50. That was just, to me, when they, Justin Tupper, who owned Revolution Golf, I've been doing it for nearly four years now. So the Golf Channel just bought Revolution Golf, and that's what you've seen lately and now. Yeah. But we, we've had probably like well over a million members for a long time. And, and it's been, and during that time, it was McLean and Martin Chuck, myself, um, Andrew Rice, and then Don Saladino doing the fitness stuff. So adding Cameron McCormick, Mark Hall, uh, these other coaches, it, I guess it's just a way to do golf instruction in the year 2018. So the cool part is we get to provide our own content matter. So I remember I did one, one time I did like a 30-minute video on the D plane and how it affected ball flight. And I just really think that that's just, that's golf 101. Like a lot of people could learn how to hit a ball or swing in a different way on their own. If they just knew that the ball flew a certain way because the club was pointed a certain way and was going through the ball a certain way. I think if people really understood why the ball does what it does, they'd get a lot better quicker. Right. What is the biggest difference between say, the average guy, and I'm not, I'm not not talking the average guy that shoots in the 80s. The average guy who is very good at his club, he's his club champion, he's a scratch, he's maybe a plus one, a plus two. What is the biggest difference between that guy and a touring pro? Because I know there's a huge difference. Oh, yeah. No, it's a huge difference. Um, yeah, 100%. Um, let me see. So I live in Keens Point. Our club championship was one probably at I would say the guy was probably four under from 7,000 yards right and if we had a tour event at that golf course I would think probably close to 30 under would win whoa 
So well, it's that. You know what? Let's. You know what? Maybe that. Maybe that's a little high. But let's just let's say twenty-two. So okay. that's eighteen strokes. Wow. One of the big differences too would be that like you're only going to become at some point you're only going to become as good as your environment. So mm-hmm. tour players play super tucked pins, firm greens, really long golf courses. With I think that's got a lot to do with it too. I just think that the the really good player and we've got guys in my club who don't miss a fairway for a week in a row, but they're probably like 75 behind Dustin Johnson. So, you know, when you get to some of these courses that are 7,800 yards, you can't really be that good hitting three wood into every par four. And the pro's proximity to the hole from 150 yards, I don't think the average person realizes how good they are from 150 yards in. Yeah, and even at 150 yards, I think they still average like 26 feet. So right. that, that, that seems... That seems like, wow, that's a lot. But, you know, 26 feet is basically, you know, eight, you know, eight and a half paces. And from 150 yards, I mean, that's like hitting that to me. When a guy hits a golf ball from 150 yards, like two feet, that's almost like getting a bullseye and darts from the other side of the room. <laughs> right. No, you're right. It's exactly it. It's funny how that's that's the sport that we chose to play, too, by right. the way. Exactly. Like it, it is funny. Uh, I'm a decent player, Sean. I'm like a plus 1.4, something like that. I don't get to play a lot anymore, which is going to probably drag that down. But in the meantime, while that's going on, I'm going to I'm gonna apply to play in the U.S. Open because I feel like it's kind of my right to do that. As an amateur with a handicap that is better than I think they're, their limit, I think their limit is 1.4 or better. So I don't have these expectations that I'm going to be playing in Shinnecock or anything like that with the pros, but I feel like in the local qualifying, I can compete. It's at the course across the street from my house that I was a member at for two and a half years. So my question to you is, where should my focus be on getting to that part where I'm you know, a plus three, plus four handicap? I've been as low as a plus two and a half when I was in college. I'm um, 33 now, so that was a while ago. Right, that was a while ago when you didn't have to do anything but go to 50% of your classes in golf practice every day. That right. was it. That was it. Well, I'm a no, custom club no. fitter right now, so I'm at PGA National okay. Resort every single day. I've got all the access to anything that I could ever want other than a little, you know, time. I'm, I'm, right. I'm, I'm 33 with a wife and a son, there so you go. I'm busy. Yeah. There you go. So I think that, uh, I mean, one, my advice on the U.S. Open thing would be if you made it through the locals uh, – once you got to the sectionals, if you're a couple over after fours, just stay out of the way of the pros who <laughs> who, need to, who need to be in the, the, the U.S. Open. So that that I would say that is just, uh, you know, par's your, par's your partner. Right. Um, but, yeah, I mean, look, it's it could be statistical. You can look at, you know, you could use a, a, you could use a device like Game Golf where you go out and you track for a month kind of where you miss it. And when you miss it, how much shorter it goes or how much longer it goes. Um, And just start to understand, look, Dustin Johnson has always been the superior physical specimen, right? Mm -hmm. Um, He putts well. I don't care what anyone says. You don't win that many tournaments and you can't putt. Um, But he drives it amazing and has for a long, long time. And then he went from, you know, 20th to 18th to 16th to 12th. And then got to number one uh, in a fireball. And how did he do that? He used 80% of his practice time uh, to be wedges. Uh, he went to the putting ring twice a day instead of once a day. And every single shot that he hit on the range, after he hit it, he wanted to know exactly how far it went so he could start to kind of take the feeling of the shot versus the distance it went 
And then he went around the golf course and started to pick apart flags like targets. And so he wasn't like, he didn't change his backswing. He didn't change his diet. He didn't change. He didn't have sports psychologists. He just started to measure what he did more. And in doing so probably learned more about what he does than maybe what he wants to do. So if he becomes really good at what he does, um, then he's super dangerous. So, when I watch amateurs practice, I watched a couple guys the other day, and I was working with Danny Willard at the time. And these guys are these guys are good are good players at a really good club, and I don't even know how often they even had a target. So it was like they're working on their takeaway and their backswing, but I don't even think they were aimed at anything specific. So you know, we have to kind of even we're learning to shoot a rifle, like they still teach us down the crosshairs at the target, and I think that. What happens with a lot of pros, because they play for a living, whether they know they're doing it or not, whether they just do it naturally or they've been taught to do it, they're way more there during their practice. Mm -hmm. um, they're learning. They're, they're, they're learning. Look, do you need, if you're a 1.4, do you really need to change your golf swing? Probably not. Um, what shot do you not hit well? Um, and then do you know exactly how far a 7-iron goes if you hit it on the bottom of the face? Because you're going to hit it on the bottom of the face like 30% of the time. But guys guys only know how far they hit it when they hit it well. But I think a lot of these good rounds that happen on the PGA Tour, the guys who stay consistent, their bat is just better than everyone else's because golf is just pretty much difficult, right? Right, it is. And it seems so easy. Is a ball sitting on the ground, it's round, you have a stick with a flat face, just hit it. It's and and but it, yet it really truly is. And I always tell people this. I believe it's one of the hardest games there are. Oh, I mean, yeah. I I don't think like the way you just explained it. I, I don't know about that. I mean, it's, think about it. You got this. You have this metal stick with a with with a graphite shaft. You're right. 480 yards away from a hole that the ball hardly fits in. And right. someday, someday it feels like it never fits in. Right. 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 And and it, oh, and it's and it's windy, and you're playing with. You're playing with two guys who are losing their minds. Right. And yeah, no, it's. I think it's. I think it's freaking impossible. <laughs> I think oh, Sean's so been hard. on the golf course with us before. It's so funny. <laughs> it's man. so true. It's almost like the Robin Williams so, stick. Like he nailed it. He nailed it. It is. I know. Throw, throw in. Look, throw in. Throw in a little pollen, and you're in Florida. So, um, right. fire ants. And <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's. Uh, look, it's the only thing that's kept my attention for 30 years, and I think it's just due to the. To me. I would say, as a coach on tour, it feels like it's probably 80% disappointing, 17% satisfying, and about 3% joyful. Right. And I think that the, the 3% is worth it, even if it's only for two hours. Right. Like, uh. I think it's more fun to climb than summit. I think like I like the challenge of just when nothing's going right. There's something about that that just, keep, that just keeps me in it, just to – find a more simple way so but golf is it's so difficult i mean look at the ball so so far from the hole when you tee off right <laughs> it is and a lot of times even after i hit my first shot it's still so far from the <laughs> hole for somebody who has worked with so many tour pros and has seen the things that you've seen stood next to on the range and watched what you've watched are there days that tour pros go out and they struggle the entire day oh of course I mean, yeah, that, I mean, if you ask them, they'd say it probably feels like it's almost half the time. It's, uh, it depends on what you say. Well, look, if you shoot 72 on the PGA Tour, then you're going to, you know, over five months in a row, 
you're going to miss a lot of cuts. Right. So we think a struggle is like my struggle is 81. I mean, I watch guys do, I watch it all the time when I play with my buddies on, on men's day on Friday and they're going down their even par through three holes and they get a call from the office and they can't stop hitting it out of bounds after that. So it's, you know, we, we have to realize like it's a struggle because not just because the game itself and the arbitrary can kind of randomness of it, but it's a struggle too, because, you know, we're thinking human beings and a lot of times the stuff we think about is useless, probably most all of the time. And so it's really difficult to play golf when there's no clarity. And I mean, how many people can, can be clear. Uh, so, you know, look, golf is full of the, the time the guy shoots 59, right? And they interview him after and they say, so tell us about your round. And he's got like nothing to say. He says, uh, yeah, I don't know. I just really felt great all day. Uh, so when people say they felt great, um, when people are in a good mood, they would feel good. Right. Uh, they would feel great. So the way you feel isn't really got anything to do with what's happening outside of you. It's just you're feeling the quality of your own thinking. So when you're in a bad mood, think about what you're thinking about. When you're in a good mood, it's kind of like someone's like, yo, you're in a good mood. Why? And you're like, uh, I don't know. I'm just right. in a good mood. You're in a good mood because your head is not full of clutter. And, and, and some of it's conscious, so some of it's things we think about, tax time, getting our kids to school, violence, all the stuff that we have to deal with and the stuff that's just like pumped into our head by society. But then there's the other aspect of just all the memories we have of times we weren't successful that are not forgotten. And so sometimes when we get into a situation on the golf course or off the golf course, the brain quickly goes back to protect us from this happening again. So we relive the other thing. So when you watch a guy in the seventh hole and he hits it in the water and he says that he had doubt, you can't really doubt something you haven't done yet. Right. There's no doubt in the present moment, but the brain can remember the time that he lost the tournament and it was kind of the same image. Like back in the day, we had to look across the field and see a saber tooth tiger and be like, I'm not going that way. Right. So we're, we're kind of as human beings, we're almost pre-programmed to remember the bad so as we don't become extinct. So that's the double-edged sword to the human mind is that, one, it's this unbelievable device. It's almost that's our divinity is just how special our mind is. But the problem is we're also pre-programmed uh, to survive, which means that we need to remember the bad things that happen to us so they don't happen again. So it's 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 uh, I don't mean to confuse anyone, but I'm just trying to make sense of uh, of what, I, what I've come to believe that it is. So for me, there's nothing you can do when you're playing except just to keep playing. And I think when guys get off to a bad start, they start trying to fix something that's not necessarily broken. And right. I'm guilty of that. Anything. I'm guilty of oh. I get off to a bad start, and then I'm playing golf swing. I'm not playing golf anymore. Froggy, you're playing golf swing right now. We're talking to Sean Foley, and you're playing golf swing. You're I mean, always every, playing golf I'm swing. I'm always trying. There's like I'm working on something. It's something different. It's that, and it kills me. I may play bad when I play with you, too, by the way, because I'm always wrapped in. Like, you're asking me so many questions about your golf swing. I'm like, fuck, man, I'm just trying to hit <laughs> on the golf course. I'm not, I really, even, I'm not I, even I, trying to hit a fairway. I'm just trying to advance the ball. I mean, to, to, as, as a tour pro, when you're working with, say, Justin Rose, I've seen Justin. He has – I love the methodical – maybe this is not a word. I love the methodicalness that he plays with, the way that before every swing, he's got that practice swing that he does where he drops the club down, drops the club down, and then go, go, goes through swinging left. I love that. 
Is that something, is that his only swing thought as he goes out? Do pros have a swing thought every time they go out? Well, the thing it's easy to get it on the range, like with a swing thought, because you get to repeat it every eight seconds. And then you go on the course and you got, you know, sometimes you could hit a, you could hit an iron off of the first tee and then the second hole is a par three and, and then the third hole is a sharp par four. So you actually don't hit a driver for an hour since you've been on the range. You know, to me, trying to find that playing field is like the trick. And the playing field is the mechanics will improve, but there's much more intent on the shot. And it's almost trying to get that awareness of what, of what your intent is to then hopefully you've trained in the right way so that when you create that intent, then you just swing it away you've trained. You know, you hear Navy SEALs say that, you know, in the thick of the battle, they just trust their training. So they're afraid, they're scared, they're nervous but they just trust that they've trained in a superior way. So they just kind of go blank and just do what they've. So it, what it does is what it really points. The reason a lot of people can't take it from the range of the course is because first of all, they're, they're, they're not, they, they're not really the same um, at all. Like there's first, there's no consequence on the range. Um, and second, uh, when do you ever hit a ball every eight seconds? So to me, what you're doing as far as, in your training, when you're not taking it to the course, it's more how you're training. It's not some deficiency you have in your will or your strength of mind. It's just you're not training properly. So you're going to be, you know, the SEALs use live ammo. I mean, I read a stat, and this is a true stat. Um, from 2012 to 2017, more Navy SEALs died in training than died at war. Um, that's, a, that's astonishing. But that goes to show that, they're training in a way they expect to be in it. So right. if you train with blanks and then you hit the ground and you hear bullets whiz by you, um, that's probably going to lock you down. And so I think golfers, you know, how we practice needs to be really looked at because uh, a lot of other sports where technique isn't as taught, it's all about how to kind of get practice to be very similar to the game. Imagine the NFL if they didn't allow quarterbacks and, and running backs to get hit in practice. I mean, if they went the whole week without getting hit and they got popped on the first down, they wouldn't know what to do. Right. We have to look at that. Speaking of somebody who practices well is Tiger. Tiger used to say he used to always peak four times a year. He always peaked for the majors. And with him coming back and playing so well, I've seen you on Golf Channel. Sean, you are extremely supportive, which I think is amazing. And the fact that you are still very supportive of Tiger. Oh, I mean, how? first of all, he's my friend. But second of all, how can you not support a guy who every time he's doing well, the industry does well. And that's the industry you're in. That's the industry so many of your friends are in. It's a, of, of, of course. So on a personal level, yeah, I mean, look, that, I mean, he, you know, they called him the chosen one. I would argue he chose to be the one. Like, to just say someone's the chosen one's kind of silly, right? Like, right. I, I hate when people are like, that guy's so gifted. It's like, so does that allow you to be mediocre because he's, like, born with something you don't have? Like, I don't, I struggle when people say that because I've seen so many people achieve a lot of success who you wouldn't really say they were gifted what they were where they were curious, they were driven, and they could handle the pain of right. failure. And they worked their and, ass off. Hundred percent, under under hundred percent. By the time Luke Donald hits that like gorgeous bunker shot to a foot, and everyone's like, "Wow, he's so talented." I mean, if you watched how much he had to practice to learn how to do that, you'd almost argue he's not talented. So, <laughs> right, um, right, because he's done it so yeah. much. But with Tiger coming back, Sean, are you of the belief 
And this is a couple different questions into one here. Will he win again? Will he win a major? And will he get anywhere close to the number that he has so desired, the number 18? Uh, I would say uh, that, he, of course, he's going to win a, a tournament. I'd say that he could win up to three this year. Um, I would say that he'll be in contention. He'll have a chance. He'll have an opportunity to win a major for sure. He's 42. Um, I think everything he's gone through has given him a more holistic look on how he wants to utilize his body. And I mean, that is some body, right? Um, remember when Tiger came on tour, I think he was 145 pounds and he had a club head speed of 125. So, um, you know, if if he kind of gets to where he's very much within who he is, um, I mean, Fred Couples has been in contention three of the last six Masters, and I think at 52, Tiger probably be, or 54, Tiger probably be as good or a better player than Fred Couples. So it's, I don't see why I don't see why it wouldn't. I mean, he's the greatest player of all time, and when people, I remember people texting me at Tampa there when he was right close to the lead, like, man, this is crazy, right? And I'm like, do you not remember the 79 times we saw him pick right. up a trophy? Like, right. why is this, you know, what they would say is unbelievable, and I'd be like, you know what's unbelievable is that you're not saying this is believable. Right. Um, he's number one in proximity of the hole in the PGA Tour with his chipping and his pitching. That's what I wanted to ask um, you about is the short game. Talk to us about, I mean, if, if the average guy played from where he is around the greens – they would not score what he's scoring, especially at Torrey Pines. The the, the up and downs that he had, uh, his short game really is something otherworldly. Would you agree with that? Yeah, and I think part of it is like, you know, look, he was going through a tough time. So when the media started to talk about the yips and this and this and that, I don't know. I felt like I was watching a guy who was in pain who didn't really want to be there. There's There's only one way someone as good as him can play poorly is just not to want to be there if i went to houston tomorrow and i got to the teaching tee and i didn't want to be there i wouldn't be very good at what i was doing and and i think that obviously if he feels better he can now spend a lot more time practicing and you know this is the guy where just think about all the magical shots you can see in your mind that he's hit his creativity um at everything that he's doing so it's it's so great to watch but if i'm happy for anyone i'm happy for him because this is this is what he does he's the you know he's the greatest of all time i just didn't really see it finishing not in a good way but you know even the best stories you know life is a roller coaster right so we all have we all have peaks and valleys and, right. and i think what happens is just the acceptance of that and the humility that comes from it and i just see overall i really like what i see with with his game, but also with him. He still could be a defining person in many different rights, you know? I mean, they've never really covered much about his foundation, but that stuff that he does is incredible. I mean, Tiger Tiger has a voice, and, and he chooses to, you know, to help a lot of kids, um, and he's never asked for credit for any of it. He's uh, he, he started out, he's, he, Tiger is a very good guy. He's a kind guy. He's a thoughtful guy. So I think at some point, that kind of tiger where he had to push the world out and go after what he wanted to do, uh, I think that was completely necessary at that age and that time. But now, um, you know, everyone wants to see him so to do so well. So I think it's very important from an energy standpoint to kind of embrace that love that you're getting um, and realize that that's a pretty powerful source of, of inspiration and energy. It was really cool to be out at Bay Hill 
and see so many of the people I've seen for like 10 years, um, but to see just everybody, uh, everybody cheering them on. And that's what's weird this time is that before I felt like in before you had the people who were tired of him winning all the time. And then we went through the down years and there were people who didn't like him and they didn't want to see him come back. And I feel like some people almost got joy out of his struggle. But now it seems different. The way that people reacted uh, at the at the Honda here in, here in Palm Beach and the way that people reacted in Tampa at the Valspar and like you said at Bay Hill, it feels like the world is pulling for Tiger again. And everybody wants to see him win and wants to see what I would say arguably could be the greatest comeback in sports history, wants to see the story, wants to see the cherry on top, wants to see it in the right way, the way that he deserves it to end. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, 100%. I mean, you know, we're all the masters of our own destiny. Obviously, life is going to have a part in that too. But, you know, I think we you don't really realize what you have until you don't have it. And so... <laughs> You know, as far as the people, as far as the people who are bored watching him win all the time, and I'll tell you a quick story about this about Tiger and his effect. So, um, when I was working at the Dove Mountain in Tucson, where they used to have the match play, and I had like O'Hare, Tiger, Rosie, and Hunter um, all in it, and the first day they all won their match, and so I went back to the hotel. I was having a couple of beers, and I noticed this lady. This is like attractive probably mid-50s lady sitting to the right of me, and she's kind of staring over at me. So she walks over and asks me if I'm Tiger's new coach, and I said, I am. And I asked her, are you a golfer? And she said, no, I don't play golf. And I'm like, so I'm not, I can't really understand how she knows who I am. So I said, so what are you, what are you doing here? And she goes, well, my girls have went to university. I'm a dentist, um, and I take eight weeks off a year, and each of those weeks I try to take, like, less crowded golf tournament so I can go and watch Tiger and I'm like but but you don't you don't play golf man um and she goes yeah but for me it's like being able to watch Muhammad Ali and that was like that was that was pretty heavy so wow. I met quite a few people over the time who were non-golfers and for me I don't watch basketball but if LeBron is on I watch it if Steph Curry is on I watch it I don't watch soccer but if Messi or Ronaldo's on you know, I, I watch it. So it's just knowing that what you're looking at is just something that's superior to everyone else doing it. And whether they're winning or not, it's just how they go about doing it. It's, 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 it's inspirational. Um, and so I, I think that that's the, you know, that's a fact. Look, there's a lot of people across this country um, who we're all going through our own personal struggles. And it's no different with these guys, even though they're rich and they're famous. That doesn't, you know what? All those things cannot help you when you're in the dumps. None of it will. Right. So, it, you know, I think that we all kind of, you know, when people say everyone likes a good comeback story, that's because a lot of us are trying to come back right now. Right. Right. Okay. It, right. And it gives you hope. You see a guy, somebody who's been on top, he has his struggles, he falls, he climbs back up, it gives you hope that, you know what, hey, I can do the exact same thing. Well, of course, 100%. And there's just something that's right about it. There's right. Just, you know, you sit there at the start of the year at the Masters, and, and obviously, Mr. Palmer's not there anymore, but you have Mr. Palmer, Mr. Nicholas, and Mr. Player, and they're on that first tee, and they're hitting it. It's the three of them together, and it's like those guys were supposed to know each other for 45 years the way they do. Right. Um, you know, it just looks – it's just so natural and perfect that it's kind of like this was, this was everything colliding the right way, and I think that that's uh, what we see with Tiger. I mean, can you imagine – 
if he's in contention on late Saturday oh. or Sunday afternoon. But just imagine the ratings. I can't um, wait. Yeah, so you know he he knows what to, he knows what to do, and if I just you know I could never ever doubt this guy after watching um, all that he's done. No, and you stood on the range right next to it and watched it. You've seen it, you, you and and you've seen it. I mean, he won five times with you in 2013. So I know that you're short on time. I know you got to go. There is one more question I do want to ask you. Um, I'm one of those guys that I have the V1 app on my phone and I study swings and I look at this and I look at that. I do all that stuff. Is there one? Any one person or any one pro swing, Sean, that over time with all of your teachings, is there any one thing that you would say this is a good swing you should emulate or is every single person different and it's different for each individual? Yeah, no, of, of course. I think everyone would, you know, I think it'd be dishonest to say that you won't, that people don't have preferences. Of course we do, right? right. Um, but, yeah, when someone comes to me, um, I'm almost keeping them safe from my own preference because – I'm looking at them, and I'm sure that every heart surgery is not done exactly the same because, you know, of the extenuate, uh, of the circumstances. So you come to me and four other people come to me, you know, your flexibility, your strength, your height, everything is going to be different about you guys. Now, there is definitely, you know, the goal, any sports movement is about being able to apply force in a direction over an optimal range of motion that would be any sport from discus to baseball to golf now i think what happens with golf and it's probably come because the ball's not moving so golfers can get tricked into being more mechanical than most athletes because you can't you can't really be a catcher and get like super mechanical because the ball's coming quick so it's more of a reaction that's the difficulty of golf and i hear other athletes go you know i play with a couple guys who are in the major leagues as and they're great batters and they're like, I can't believe I can't hit this thing. It's not even moving. And, and it's just really funny, right? It's like, how much did you ever think when you're up at bat versus you, what you're doing now, right? So right. I think with golf, it's, there's laws that have to be, you know, there's laws and principles that have to be. So Jim Furyk and Adam Scott are lawful in the same way. Now, on video, they look totally different. Um, but that's got less to do all the good ball strikers were all good from one spot to one spot. And they basically managed the club face very well, and they did what they did very well. So we have to be careful when it comes down to methods of taking this, you know, one-size-fits-all. It's more of a Baskin and Robbins approach to someone might need a little more strawberry or a little more chocolate or a little more vanilla. Um, so, yeah, if someone's in front of me, all I'm trying to do is improve their understanding of what's going on and get them to hit the ball better. So that means if I have to flatten someone's backswing to do that, I'll do that. If I have to make it more upright, I'll do that. It's just that the, the arms and the backswing kind of have to match how their body moves. So for years, you know, people try to keep their butt up against the wall and, and say that early extension's not good. And you look at, like, Greg Norman and Phil Mickelson, and they early extend a ton, and those guys are amazing. Oh. So, Wait, are you talking about like early extension with the legs, like the right leg kind of uh, extending before impact? Just, just everything, and it's uh, it's it's, it's uh, partially uh, like it's partially it's partially where the mass of the club's coming down. Then it has to also do with the the strength of the player, and then a lot of all of this has to do with how you first learned how to do it, and you know how you first learn how to do something is very remembered. Um, your DNA is your DNA, so you can see someone like. 
uh, you know, a guy who stands up and extends, and you see like someone like Hunter Mahan who gets more flexed and rotates. If you try to turn them into each other, you're going to have a problem. Ugh, right. I cannot get past that. That's my biggest bugaboo is the early extension. But you just basically told me I can be Greg Norman, so I'm going to take that. I'm going to go to the <laughs> right. course today, and I'm going to rock out with my early extension. <laughs> right, exactly. Thank you, Sean Foley. Exactly. Sean, thank you so much for your time. Sean, I, I can't promise you that I'm not going to send you a swing or two of mine, and then once you get finished laughing, if you would tell me, if there's any one thing I'm doing wrong that would help me get better. Yeah, I'll either I'll either send one back laughing or I'll send you a full thing and uh, with an attached invoice. So <laughs> yes. Wow. Yes. Hey, you got if, it. if the pod reaches X amount of people, he should get some kind of discounted rate. Right? Exactly. Right? There, there's there's value in that. No, you you too can reach out to Sean there at uh, revolutiongolf.com. Uh he's on Instagram, the uh, Foley Golf Academy. Uh, Sean's doing lots of good things in the Orlando area all over the place. Sean, really, truly appreciate your time. Appreciate your insight. Appreciate your knowledge. Thank you for taking the time. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Have a great day. Playing through with Froggy, Brian, Golf, and Wacker. Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results like more time in range and lower a1c get started at dexcom.com dexcom data on file 2023 if your glucose alerts and readings from the g7 do not match symptoms or expectations use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions for a list of compatible devices visit dexcom.com compatibility this is malcolm gladwell from revisionist history ebay motors is here for the ride with some elbow grease fresh installs and a whole lot of love you transformed a hundred thousand miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.